I want to I want to talk again about living an uncommon life. This is uh, I taught this two weeks ago or began this teaching two weeks ago, and and I wanted to go ahead and and I really wanted to dive into some things with end times events and things, but uh, I think we're going to uh, delay that just a little bit in order to to make sure that I'm uh, ready to take on that that topic because uh, it is um, it is a lot, but I want to try to condense it. Uh, so that we're not, you could spend four or five months, six months on, on the book of Revelations and, uh, and going through every, every part of that uh, because there's a lot of uh, things that you've got to go to in other di- different parts of the Bible to uh, explain and, and bring things into to, uh, the time frame that it needs to be. But, you know, end times events is, is something that's very important, but so is living an uncommon life now. And here's what I know is that, that if I pursue God and I put, put Jesus as my Lord over every aspect of my life and I walk in pursuit of Him, that all these other things that are, that are out there that we might have as question, that we're going to be where we need to be. And God will give us, if we understand that we have opportunity to live uncommonly. Now, it should be common to us as Christians, though. It's only uncommon to the world. It's only uncommon to those that are just relying on their own strength. But I'm, I want to, us to think about living a life like the Apostle Paul, like Peter, even like Jesus, because Jesus even said that those, the things that I do, that you'll do, and even greater works, because He went to the Father. And so we should expect our life to be something different, something more. I don't want to bring condemnation on anybody who's not living above the world or, or uncommonly, but as a, as a Christian, as a believer, as somebody who has the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you, you may not have realized it before, but you can start to tap into and understand the power of God available to us, not so that we can be something in the world's eyes, but so that we can overcome and have victory in any given situation. We're going to have battles. We're going to have challenges. Things are going to come against us. But the way we handle them is entirely different than the way the world handles them. We live uncommonly, and we're going to talk about some of those attributes of an uncommon life. But I want us to turn to Philippians chapter 4 again, and I'm going to uh, review just a little bit because this is so powerful, and we're not going to read everything we read here a few weeks ago. But one of the values of going to Philippians chapter 4 is it... it really just demonstrates a wide range of things that we can learn to follow. It says in verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. He, he gives us a, a challenge here. He gives us a, an instruction here. He says, don't worry. But he says, pray. Uh, I love the sign that uh, Cody uh, does the sign out there, and it said... If you've got time to worry, you've got time to pray. And it shows, I think, Sylvester, I don't know. I, it, it's, I think Sylvester's pacing the floor, uh, you know. I love the cartoon on there. I love some of the stuff he puts up. Some people might go, ooh. Some of it's a little bit not very churchy sometimes, but it sure looks, it sure gives, I think, the, the, the connection with the world. But here he's pacing the floor. And, and do you ever pace the floor and worry? Do you ever pace the floor? Or do you ever wake up worrying? Do you ever get consumed with things that you can't control? Well, instead of pacing the floor in worry, pace the floor declaring what God says. I'm not going to worry. 
I, don't, I may not understand everything. I don't know the time frame of everything. I can't give you, even though we, we can illustrate end time events, I can't give you the exact timing of things. But I know that God has us uh, taken care of. I've seen it all throughout the Bible. You say, well, I don't want to experience trouble. I don't think any of us want to experience trouble. But we know that when we do, when we face those things, God is greater. And when we, when we spend our time pacing the floor, declaring, setting our heart, declaring, God, this is what you say, and this is what I'm going to believe. And your mind will say, yeah, but, oh, but, yeah, yeah, but. But you come back and you state the, the obvious, which is the Word of God. You declare what God says. God is greater. He that is, he that is in me is, is greater than he that's in the world. 1 John 4, 4. Verse 13 on Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So every time there's something that I can't handle, guess what? God shows up. Man, what a joy. I love that. And you know what? I look at things that God's called me to do even. I look at how many things that are before me. How do I get everything in line and in order? Soon I were even, you know, and I have helpers. I have lots of helpers. I have lots of people who want give me instructions, and you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this, and, and, and uh, uh, they help me, and that's good. Some of them unsolicited, but I, I get help, you know, how that is. But you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this, and, I, and, and here's the thing. I know the things that I need to enlist in my life or, or structure in my life to, to keep my life disciplined because I've got a lot of different things that are pulling my attention and my focus. I have tons of things that I need to be writing and, and, and studying and preparing for and teaching and ministering and all those good things. And then I like to do other things. I just can't let the things I like rule my life over uh, what I, I, I'd, I'd love to have just one thing to do. I don't know what it'd be because I like doing lots of things, okay? I don't know what it would be if I only had one thing to do. But here's the thing. God is a, in us is able to give us the power and the ability to overcome whatever it is. The circumstance or the situation for you may be one thing that you just say, if I could just get over that, we'll begin to, to, to stand on God's Word and live an uncommon life. Here's the, dif here's the difference in us in the world. They're trying to do it through mental assent, education, study, whatever, whatever means. And some, a lot of those, many of those things are not bad. They're not bad in, in and of themselves. But when we turn inward in the sense of we begin to have a consciousness of the Spirit of God working in and through us, we begin to live an uncommon life. Because we're no longer just reliant on what our own abilities and strengths are, but we begin to live inside out because that's where the Holy Spirit begins at work on the inside of us in, in our spirit, man. And He begins to transform our mind and our thinking. He begins to change our emotions he, begin to he begins to knock off those rough edges of our personality. He, he begins to change and, and, and offset every fear and every, every damaged part of our life. That's why I love, He is the God who heals me. And that's not just physical healing. I, I think a lot of Christians, sadly, have been taught their whole life that God doesn't heal anymore. And, and I, I buck that because I, I know that God heals I know there's instances, there's times where people pray and they don't see the results they want to see. I can't explain always why some are healed, some aren't, all the things. I have a lot of reasons and I could go through those because there's reasons in the Bible. 
but I know that God heals. And so if I predetermine that God doesn't, then I've just halt, I've just in, influenced and affected my faith. Same way where my emotional scars are or where my hurts are. I just can't get over this. Yes, you can. If God says you can. And, and so... We, we go before God and we live an uncommon life because we say, okay, God, I know it hasn't worked before, but I know that you can. I know this is a difficulty. I know this is a challenge. Now, listen, I also know that God wired you and, and, and designed you for specific things. It's just the devil or maybe your own doing has, or others that was outside of your control has messed that up. But God wants to heal and restore and, and, and bring you into that place where your idiosyncrasies are a value. I am so thankful my wife is the way she is. It just took me about 10 years to figure out how valuable she was. First, no, it really didn't take me 10 years. But the first two years, we sure were just, I mean, it's like everything was just, we're butting heads. And then about year seven, we went through our first personality temperament test. We were, we were in a, a marriage seminar and we, we our, our church over in Stillwater, uh, where we were at, uh, we did a, a personality temperament test and, and I'd never even heard of such a thing. And, and it explained why we were so different and why we drove each other nuts. But it also, saw, it also taught us the value of her, her uniqueness and mine and how we could work together in those things. And so it began to balance us out because I understood some things about me. Now, here's the thing. God needed me to be the way I am. He needs you to be the way that you are. But He needs us to be in a position that we're healed and restored and strong and so that it becomes a value and a strengthening. You know, He's given us each different talents and giftings. Some of you are, are tremendously gifted at, at detail stuff. Thank God I have people around me that are gifted at detail stuff. It was funny, Whitney was over helping me with my technology. She came to the house and was helping me do my live stream thing. And I was, we, were, we were actually doing a live feed. Some of you saw it on high call maybe. And, and it was just us messing around in the middle of the day with, with my trying to get this thing to stream right because I tried it in the morning and it didn't work. And she came in there in, in my desk and I said, yeah, I was talking about how clean my desk was. She goes, that's clean? I went, yeah, you can see some of the top. Come on. Of course, I had four or five Bibles open. I don't like doing everything digital. I like my physical Bibles, and I've got, I've got my different translations, and I've got my, I mean, I'll have any given day, I'll have three to four, maybe five Bibles stacked up or, or, or laying on my desk plus other things. And, of course, I've got my laptop, and I've got my Remarkable, and I've got my notepad, and I've got all these other things on there. And after, you, you know, there's only, it's only so big. But it's, it, I love the fact that there's differences in us, but we can't be, we can't be damaged goods or, or hurt and, 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 and be as effective. We need God's healing power, and so we need to, be, uh, we need to receive that, that power of God in us so we can live the uncommon life that God has for us and our talents and our giftings. See, some of you are gifted singers. You're gifted, maybe, you're gifted uh, musician. You're gifted in leadership. You're gifted in, in serving. You're gifted in some of these things, and you sit back, and you, you don't let God have those gifts. And, uh, and whatever those gifts, the giftings are, when we offer ourselves up, then we begin to be used in some of these things. But we got to have God 
able to get us through some of those things. He says, instead of worrying, pray about everything. And I just say this, instead of stopping with, that's as good as it gets, commit it to prayer. I, I always challenge people with this, but think about it. There is everything in your life that you're great at. And it may be one thing. If you're good at cooking, you didn't just all of a sudden wake up one day and decide, hey, I'm going to become a cook and I'm going to get good at it. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good at it. You went and you practiced. Mom was talking about, my mom can really, used to. She doesn't do it anymore. She's gotten out of practice. But she was a great cook, and now she just knows where to buy the pies. She used to make pies. So if she brings a pie now, it's like what she used to make, but... Uh, but she used to make, she was, she is a great pie crust maker, but she made that, learned to make those by doing a 4-H, am I right, 4-H uh, demonstration speech. If you were ever in 4-H, you had to do demonstration speeches. She did one on pie crust, and her mom, uh, and she failed uh, multiple times, but her mom or grandma was t teaching her her way of making a crust. Practice, practice, practice. It, it didn't just happen. And she tried to teach my wife, and my wife did not have the patience for it, and so my wife does not know how still to make those good crusts. And I learned, guys, to not say, well, this isn't as good as mom's. I only made that mistake a few times. But here's the thing. It's, it's through practice. Same way with our relationship with the Lord and our, and our walk with God. We've got to continue to pursue that and allow God to hone our giftings. You're not going to be great right off. But you know what? That's, that's part of... The whole process. And if you think about it, I, I told my kids when they were in sports and roping, rodeo, and whatever we were doing, I said, if you hate practice, you're going to struggle to be good. But if you learn to love practice, that's part of it. That's how you get better. I love to do things that help me get better. I love to put myself in a position that it forces me to do things. That's why I started playing there at the Cowboy Church until it forced me back to playing guitar. It got me back into a mode where I have to grab that guitar and play because otherwise I won't do it. Same way with teaching and ministering. I love to do it because it forces me to it. But here's the thing. I've got to be willing to allow God to, to create in me the, the, the giftings and talents, but also hone those into the giftings that I, I can use. Um, look at verse uh, 9. He says, Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Now he's saying, he's not saying you better earn it because God doesn't show up in a, you know, that's not really what he's saying, but he is saying put it into practice, work to, to, to uh, put it into practice, to discipline yourself, and the God of peace will be with you. Then the God of peace will be with you. Why, do, why does he come after we put those things into practice? Because we've got all the flesh things out of the way. It allows God to freely operate and work through us. Then we're going to realize it doesn't mean that God is not still with us, but then he shows up in abundance. His peace comes then because his presence is more prevalent in our life. You know, uh, we, we look at verse 11. He says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be, be content in whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So he balanced it or he put it that, that into that context. And that's kind of 
what the, the theme of our, our sermon two weeks ago was. I wrote this down, in walking in the benefit of the relationship and the strength that came, there was always enough so that he had victory. There was always enough. And what I love is his enough level didn't affect him. You remember I said that two weeks ago? His enough level didn't change him. I love it when the church is full, but I don't get too high over when it's full because there's Sundays that there's people gone. I mean, I can, any given time, right, right now, I can count 20 people that are gone. You families of five, when you, when you are not here, it makes a big difference. I love having all these big families. But when three of them are gone, it's like all of a sudden 15, 20 people. Do you realize on any given Sunday, we'll have 70, 60, 70 people, and there'll be 20 gone. We're so close to that 90 mark or that 95. You know, it's so close up there. Not the numbers or everything, but, you know, I like to set goals. I'm not doing a whole lot to try to, you know, I'm not doing any slick things just to get you here. But I sure, sure, I sure like that. But you know what? When there was 30 people here or eight or nine like when we started, when, we, when we, I came with the same enthusiasm, the same preparation, and the same heart. Because I, I believe in what God's doing in our walk with God, we got to make sure that enough is, is enough and it, our enough level is based on God, not on our conditions and the things around us. So what are some... Or let's look at Acts chapter 28. I was reading through and just, just doing some general study yesterday. I was in my deer blind, but I had my Bible and I was reading. I went out early because I knew it'd be quiet. I've got set up a blind that I can sit in a comfy chair and and, and move and not distract the deer if they do walk up. Uh, I was engrossed enough reading that for a period of time I thought they may have walked by and I didn't, didn't see one, but uh, that has, ha I'm sure, happened before. But I've got one particular deer, one particular buck I'm, I'm looking for, so I was, you know, letting a lot pass by. I'd see some, whatever. It was, it was, it was a good time. I just love being out in the woods. But I, I was reading all of this, and, and I saw this life of this man who was uncommon. And there's something that, that struck me that I, I want us to read in chapter 28, the last chapter of the book of Acts. Now, understand time-wise, Luke was the author. Luke was an a, a associate of um, the Apostle Paul. Uh, he, he wrote the book of uh, his gospel and this one. And this ends with, uh, this was, time period was between the Apostle Paul's, right at the end, last four years or so of his, of his life and ministry, but from when he'd written, uh, I believe it was 1 Timothy, uh, Ephesians, Colossians, um, and uh, Philemon, and, or Philemon, however you say that, and, uh, and 1 Timothy, maybe he'd written some of those books in this, where he was going at this time. He's headed to Rome for his first uh, imprisonment. What was pretty cool was God used that time to have him under house arrest, which gave him an ability to read and, and or I mean to write. But verse 28, he's on that trip headed to uh, Rome. Once we were safe on shore, now they'd been in a, in a storm. Paul had tried to tell them not to go or whatever, and, and they're in this, so they've been shipwrecked. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on an island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us, and it was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. Now they'd, they'd, they'd gotten into this storm and they, they, the ship was about to sink and the Apostle Paul had, had seen an angel of the Lord come and speak to him. This was in the, in the verses in the, book, in the chapters before. 
And so they realized that Paul was something unique. They realized that Paul was not a common man because he told them we were going to have a storm and he told them we're going to be shipwrecked and he told them that we're, but we're not going to die. And now all this is coming to pass and, and they had to throw everything overboard and then the ship finally falls apart and they jump off and they swim into shore and they, they get there. And as Paul gathered, notice in verse 3, as Paul gathered an armload of, uh, armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. And the people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, He's a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. Now, I want to pause right there. And I want you to see something. There was people that saw what took place and they immediately made a judgment. <laughs> they, they, they saw his life or they saw this instance and the people here, they didn't know Paul from anything except that, uh-oh, they knew they were all prisoners or part of them were prisoners. And they, they certainly had heard about him and all of a sudden they said, oh, he got justice, got him. The storm didn't get him. But justice prevailed, because in other words, this man's going to die because he got bit by that snake, that poisonous snake. All the, the locals knew it'd be like a rattlesnake and, and where I grew up, bit him. They knew he was going to die. But it says he, in verse 5, but Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. And the people waited for him to swell up and suddenly drop dead. Man, I tell you what, that sounds kind of like some, so the way people kind of watch some of you. You decide you're going to set out for God. You're going to commit to God. And you probably, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I, I, know, I know there was people. As soon as I got married, right out of high school, we got engaged right, like graduation night of our senior year, and we'd been dating, and I'm sure people went, well, bless their little hearts. That'll never last. I'm sure, I never heard it, but I'm sure just knowing people, there was, I'm sure somebody, oh, those kids, uh, that'll never last. They knew me, and they, they knew her, and they knew that didn't look like oil and water, or, you know, they just thought, well, that, 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 that can't, or, you know, whatever. There were people who doubted. I'm sure that when I went into the ministry, and I left the ranch, and I, I did things that, that were outside of common, I'm sure there's people just sat back waiting to see, is this going to work? Oh, they'll come back. Oh, they'll do this. Oh, they'll do that. You know what? They're sitting back waiting for the Apostle Paul. They're waiting to see. But it says, but when they had waited a long time and they saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Notice it's a little g. But these people didn't know any better than to, to think, well, he must... They didn't just think he was of God or a godly man, but they just thought he was a god. They just thought, well, this guy must be something amazing. But he was simply living an uncommon life. And you may think that uncommon life is outside of your realm. But the Apostle Paul wasn't qualified for any reason except that he surrendered his life to Jesus. And he committed to follow Him. And he chose to say, you know what? I'm not going to be held in bondage by my past. That was one of the things that he, that he talked about. That's one of the first attributes in Philippians chapter uh, three, three and four, or thirteen and fourteen, it says that he he had it, we have to let go of the things of our past. 
We spent a lot of time on that a couple of weeks ago, so I'm not really going to spend a lot of time there, but I want you to understand and know that that's uncommon in the world because the world says you, gotta, you, gotta, you, gotta, you can't live that down. The world, the world would try to say, and sometimes you're in your own head, you can't get past your past, your past. You have a hard time not being able to or, or maintaining your Christian walk because your past keeps coming around or people keep trying to remind you of your past. And I'm here to tell you that God leaves our past in the past when we repent. And when we come to Jesus Christ, we're new in Him. Now, we, we, we set that as our goal. See, they waited to see if He changed, and then they saw that He did. Now, we can go on... Uh, Go on down here in this book, and in verse 17, or in this chapter, Acts chapter 28, verse 17, three days after Paul arrived, he called together the local Jewish leaders, and he said to them, Brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over uh, to the Roman government. Even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, verse 18, the Romans tried me and wanted to release me because they found no cause for, death, for a death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested, uh, uh, protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I ask you to come here today so that we could get acquainted and so that I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel is in the Messiah uh, and has already come. The Messiah has already come, verse 21. They replied... We have no letter from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here. Now notice this in verse 22. He says, but we want to hear what you believe for the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. Now I wrote in my Bible there's an exaggeration. That's what the, the enemy loves to do is exaggerate things or twist things. He said, the only thing we know about and the only is what we've heard. We don't have firsthand knowledge. And see, that's what is happening with some of the craziness and the protests against Israel. They're very uninformed. I watched some things about, about the, the uh, support on the Christian, or not Christian, sorry, support on the college campuses. And, and these kids were saying, oh, no, all that stuff that they said the Palestinians did, the massacres, the, the, the beheadings, all the, all the very horrible, horrible things. That was just made up. Israel just makes stuff up. That, that was some of their excuse or some of their... They, they were totally misinformed. It wasn't as bad as they said, or it was justified. You see, here's the thing about that and just a short response over that is you've got to understand we, it's hard for us to comprehend the hatred it's hard for us to understand why they would be at battle. But the one thing we can, we can always know is they're after, they're after more than the Jewish race. They're after the God that Jews serve or represent. They're after, they're after anything that's God, and it is a demonic thing that they're driven by. Has to be. Now, <clears throat> he said, it's denounced everywhere. Well, it's not denounced everywhere. <laughs> so it's an exaggeration there. Verse, verse 23. So a time was set, and on the day uh, a large number of people came to Paul's lodging, where he was in, under house arrest. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the Scriptures. 
using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. Now, if you think I'm long-winded, the Apostle Paul was preaching all day long. This wasn't the first time he did that. You remember he, he was preaching one time so long, all night long, and until one, some old boy fell asleep in the windowsill and fell out three stories and died, and Paul went down there, gathered him up, raised him back to life, and they went back in, and they, I think they had some food after that. But he kept preaching. So it says here, God, try, and God uh, uh, or he says there, it says, people came to Paul lodging, and he explained and, and te testified. So he explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the Scriptures using the law of Moses. He spoke to, to them from morning to evening, around verse 24. Some were persuaded by these things, he said, but others did not believe. After they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when He said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, Go and say to this people, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For your heart, the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes." So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. You know, he gives an illustration there of why he came, what his desire, his heart was. It was to heal them. It was to restore them. It was to provide for them. But they had no ears to hear. But it was because their hearts were, were changed. See, it's uncommon to let God into your life if you're, if you're according to the world. Because the world would say, I have to be in control. The world says, I'm a God. You know, you think about it. There's so many things that are about me. I mean, they, they, they point people to me. If it's not gender, it's race. If it's not, it's all about me. I'm losing out. I'm gonna, But God, the uncommon life with God is everything's turned around. It's that we serve. And it doesn't mean that we have to be downtrodden, beaten, and, and, and less than. But, but it, we, if we get things out of the position that God's put them in, which is us to serve. I mean, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? The servant of all. So we, if we, we can maintain the, the, the strengths and the giftings that we have, if we can walk uncommonly for God, we're going to be sometimes... Second is the best place you could be, or maybe just a no-name. That's what I loved about, uh, uh, what's his name that was here last week? JT. <laughs> Sorry, JT, I missed your name. But he was bringing out those, the people that their names are barely mentioned. You know, there's other people that they're just referred to as the woman at the well. Her name doesn't even get mentioned. I mean, there's, there's, there's things that we don't get mentioned, but yet if we're serving God in that uncommon way, because in, it's uncommon for us to not be putting attention on me. When, when we get to a place that we don't have to be noticed, we don't have to be first, we don't have to be in control, we don't have to be the dominant one, when we can just simply say, God, I just want to serve you, and I want to serve other people. You know what? God never crushes that person 
or allows that person to be crushed. He always exalts. In fact, he says in 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he'll exalt you in due time. He'll bring you to the place that you need to be. How powerful that is if we're just willing to walk in this uncommon way, this uncommon life. I want us to get to the finish of this chapter here. There's only two more, four, four more verses, three more, I don't know, a few. Verse 28. Making me do math and while I'm trying to read, that's hard. <laughs> so I want you to know this salvation from God has always has also been offered to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome for uh, at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. You know, what's interesting is during that time of house arrest, during those, that, that time period where he was, he was held, he was able to write those different books, but he was also able to compel people and he was teaching and preaching the gospel. You know, I think one of the things, it's not written there, but, but one of the things that we see after he left there, he wrote the book of Timothy, wrote the book of Titus, he, he, he did some other ministry. I think he was able to, in that time, he was mentoring and training the disciples or the ministers and the pastors, the ones who would continue the ministry on because he only lived another three to about three years uh, or maybe, maybe four at the most. His ministry was effective in that time even though he was held in, in that place. That's just a side note, but Paul was uncommon. He wanted them to live the way he lived. Now, I'm going to wrap this up, but, but I want you to think about these things. You know... God wants us to be uncommon. And, and uh, let's close with this verse over in Luke chapter 6. And uh, we'll, we'll go back in some more of Luke's writings. He wrote, again, the book of Acts. But I want us to see, because I mentioned this, but I didn't, I didn't write it down, or I didn't have you write it, but these attributes of this uncommon life are, are to forget your past, to continue on is two. Three is to put God first. And four is to love uncommonly. And, and I just want to mention uh, in, in passing this golden rule, verse 31. I, there's a lot there in chapter 6 I, I don't have time to get into. But I want you to see, it says, Do unto others as you would have them do to you. You know, that's completely opposite of what the world says. The world says, do unto others before they do unto you. And you, know, you may not have been raised that way, but I dare say that if you're in business or, or if you've been raised in a, in a probably a, a fairly, um, in, a, in a work atmosphere, I, I don't know if I ever heard anybody say that, but I sure saw it demonstrated. I remember working with a guy one time and we were supposed to be a sales team and this wasn't all that long ago, less than 10 years ago. But I was in this environment and it was a deal where we had a general manager and then there were sales people that were out in the field. And I did well, I loved this stuff, but there were strategies you'd get together. And so us in the sales departments would work together in strategies and it was amazing how we would have these great discussions and we'd come up with these things that we were going to take and then you know uh we, we, an hour later you drive by the the main office and you see this uh, certain individual's pickup 
at the office and you walk in there and he's in the middle of a conversation with the general manager about this great idea he had. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's, he's, he's talking about this great idea and then, the, and then pretty soon in the next meeting, the general manager's talking about, yeah, well, so-and-so had this great idea. We're going to implement this. I'm like, uh, hello. I had that. <laughs> that was actually my idea. Uh, but I learned to just trust God. But those times were really, really stretched me. He was doing unto others before they did unto Him. But you know what I did? I put, put my faith and my trust in God. And I'd vent about that maybe to my wife or, or somewhere, you know. But I put my trust in God in that situation. And I said, God, I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to make sure that I do unto others as I want them to do unto me. And you know what's so cool is that was ingrained in me because my, I remember my parents. I remember that being a a nursery, or not nursery, uh, but a Sunday school uh, verse that we learned. I remember that being up on something. Was that on the marble that, that Daddy carried? Was it doing to others? I think it was, that green marble. I need to check on it. Our, our pastor at the time gave uh, all the men a, a, this green marble to carry in their pocket and, and the, around the gold band of this, this green-looking marble, thing, uh, it, it said, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And that built that into my life. Now, it cost me a few times because I get duped by people that, that didn't practice that and didn't live that. But the thing I know is that when you live an uncommon life and love uncommonly, trust uncommonly, give uncommonly, put things in God's hands uncommonly, walk in praise uncommonly, and have uncommon faith that God just just takes care of us uncommonly. It's not uncommon to Him. It's not uncommon to us, but it is uncommon. The world looks at us and they say, how do you win? How do you succeed? How do you remain joyful? How are you able to handle that adversity? It's a result of living an uncommon life with an uncommon expectation. I tell you what, if we could just, if we could just learn to have that expectation, God, show me how to live an uncommon life. Or you could turn that around and say, God, help me to live as a common Christian because that should be common to us as believers. But look at the life of Paul and, and walk, uh, walk like that. So let's stand and let's just pray and let's just set our heart to say, God, I, I want that uncommon life. And you know one thing that that it all begins with our surrender of our life to Jesus Christ. And, and, and I, I might say this, that even not only the world would say that's uncommon, but there's a lot of Christians who go to church, call themselves Christians, go to church every Sunday. And I don't, I don't believe that's a high percentage here. It could be some. But they reserve most of their life and they resist that surrender. But I tell you what, when you get to that place that you say, God, okay, I'm, I'm yours. It's amazing what God can, can begin to do. It's amazing what God can do with someone whose heart's surrendered to, to God. So let's pray. Father, we just come before you today. Lord, we just thank you that, that you're big. And God, we look to you in the midst of all the, that's going on in the world. Our, our enough level may be you know, it may be, we may be in, in not enough 
We feel like we're living in the land of not enough, not enough strength, not enough love for ourselves, maybe not enough, not enough friends, not enough wisdom, not enough whatever. But Lord, when we come to you, we step into that, that land of, of enough, that, that land that says, okay, God, in you, I, I'm enough and you're enough, and so I have enough, and that puts us in a position to, to be in more than enough. The, the above and beyond what we ask or think. Father, we just praise you. We thank you that you're a God who wants to do that for us. And Lord, all you're waiting on is for us to surrender our life to you. You, you may be born again, but you've never really said, God, okay, I'm yours. And today, God sees your heart. And if that's your heart, let's offer that up to him. So as we, as we pray here, I just want you to, to do that. Father, I just, I just give you my heart and my life. And I thank you, Father God, that you see and hear and, and recognize those that are willing to, to step into that. Father, we just praise you. We thank you for all that you're doing. And Lord, for if anybody who's never made Jesus Lord of their life, I pray that you just, you just move upon them now. That they would make that decision, that choice to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me your own. And when we do that, then we know that we're His. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.